You're listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum focused and dedicated 100% to sales development. If you care about growing your skills and getting more new sales appointments, pipeline, and closed one deals, you came to the right place. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, iTunes, or Spreaker, and be sure to go back and listen to all the episodes for the best strategies, tips, and tactics out there on running a high-performance sales development program. And now, your host, founder, and CEO of TenBound at TenBound.com, David Delaney. CRM has been proven to limit sales reps' responsiveness, persistency, and cadence. It's a design flaw, and it's losing you deals. That is why today's sales leaders use sales engagement platforms like VanillaSoft. Check it out. Go to VanillaSoft.com and start your free trial. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. This is um, Optimizely Part 2 because I'm in the office today. So I'm honored to have my next guest on the show, Ms. Jackie Woods, Manager of Sales Development at Optimizely. Good mm-hmm. morning. Yeah. Good, good afternoon. Morning. Good afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for having me. Appreciate oh, absolutely. It. And Jackie's also a 10 bound alumni. You yes. came to one of the trainings a while ago mm-hmm. and you've been crushing it ever since. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I try. Yeah. So Jackie, if people haven't met you, tell us about you know how you became into sales development and got into Optimizely. Yeah, definitely. So I actually started in sales development straight out of college. So I actually started to Optimizely as an intern about, oh gosh, almost four years ago now. So it's been a while. Really? Yeah. And wow. I was uh, I was right across, for those who don't know, Optimizely is based in the Bay Area in San Francisco. And I went to, uh, to UC Berkeley. So I was just right across the Bay and was given the opportunity to come and intern here. Wow. So did that for a few months while I was still in school. And then post-graduation was able to start as an SDR. And uh, worked as an SDR for about two years and then was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to start managing the team and uh, have been doing that for a little over a year now. Wow, that's amazing. I had no idea that you started as an intern and then became an SDR after Mm -hmm. that. Yep. Yeah. Wow, what an opportunity. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so for four years, how long has the company been in business? Um, Since uh, 2010. Okay. So it really, you've kind of grown up with the company. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I would say in the past three years, we've made a lot of transition in terms of product and and the things that we're we're bringing to to our customers just broadly. So it's been a neat, neat opportunity to watch the company transition grow and to see the different types of of clients that we're working with now. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's a a real success story for the tech industry in the Bay. And Mm -hmm. and the fact, you know, the tech industry gets like a bad rap a lot of the times, but the fact that you know, someone like yourself goes from intern to individual contributor mm-hmm. to manager and is really growing up with the company. Mm-hmm. I mean, what an awesome opportunity. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Super yeah. fortunate. Yeah, it's been great. It's great. And I know, you know, as a manager, we have a lot of people that manage teams listening on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And one of the big things that, you know, you're working on now and that we're all constantly working on is recruiting. Mm-hmm. So I thought it would be interesting to dig in a little bit about you know, your process and your experience with, with on the recruiting side. Yeah, absolutely. And so I want to start with uh, the interview process. Mm-hmm. Like if someone is potentially going to be an intern or a sales development rep, they're prepping for the interviews. Mm-hmm. Now that you've gone through that whole process, like what advice would you give the applicants as they're prepping for an interview? Yeah, absolutely. So there are a couple, there are a couple things that I wish that I had known when I was interviewing way back in the day and things that mm-hmm. I look for for now. So 
there are, I think, like four main things that I would really encourage SDR applicants to focus on. The first one is to not just understand what the company or the product does, but specifically focus on the value that that company is providing its customers, especially for sales development. I really like to see in an interview that a prospective SDR is making that connection between product and value, even just based on, on whatever information we have available online. And then customer case studies are, are a great place to, to start and understand this value. The second piece is, is I think there's the, the inevitable questions that are always asked in most interviews, which yeah. are, you know, why this company or, or why this role? And yeah. for me, I really like hearing about your background and why your past experiences drew you here, both to the company and to the role. So having a compelling story to tell around that is really important. Got it. Again, it's focusing on what about the value that a product or company provides its customers is appealing to you versus just reciting that the product or the company is cool. Uh -huh. um, so I think that that, it makes things a little bit more compelling. And the last one is I'm always really impressed by broader market knowledge. And I know this is oftentimes a little tricky for people to gauge from outside the company, but if you do your research and you're able to speak intelligently to your interest in the broader market that that company is working in or your excitement about where the company is positioned in the market and, and what they're going to accomplish. Things like that, I think, will really separate you from a lot of other candidates. Big time. I, I think um, yeah. a lot of SDRs, especially if they're going through like a recruiting agency, they'll be talking to like 10 companies, mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes yeah. on the same day. <laughs> well, right. that's a lot, but like five or six different companies. Yeah. And these, these factors will really separate them from yeah. the pack, it seems. Definitely. Yeah. And it, it, takes, it takes time and it takes extra research. But I think that those are things that you can do to really show a hiring manager and a team in a company that you're really interested in investing your time and, and your career you know, with them, which is something that I, the company is looking for ultimately as well. Yeah. So. Give, give, a, give a crap. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. A little bit of time. Yeah. Excuse my language there. <laughs> but, um, and so let me just unpack this a little bit. Yeah. So finding out the value that the company creates versus just the products that they sell. Right. So one of the things you said is the customer case studies. Mm -hmm. So so how do they how do they go about that? Do they like read the case studies and take notes or something like that? Yeah, definitely. I, okay. I think it's customer case studies a lot of time they're trying to prove to other people who might be looking at this company to buy their solution or, or whatever that yeah. the that the company is is valuable. It's going to lend you something, right? And so understanding what customers are getting from the solution is a great way to be able to then take it from, okay, well, Optimizely is an A-B testing platform to Optimizely enables its customers to increase ROI off of their digital properties or what have yeah. you, right? So you, and you can see that in the case studies versus just like looking at the homepage or looking at at the product descriptions and things like yeah, that. Yeah, because a lot of times, the, <laughs> I mean, just looking back to like nightmare scenarios, but a lot of yeah. times people can't even answer the first one mm -hmm. about the product. Like, also what is true. Yeah, lead? so that's step one. Yeah, know that. <laughs> so know that first, that's step you got to know what they're actually selling. Right. Then yeah. you want them to take it a step further and talk about the value. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then why past experiences connect to the role, mm -hmm. right? That was the second one. So, so it's like, what if you what if you're just graduating from college and you were a sociology major and you were doing keg stands like two weeks ago? <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. what do you what, once you sober up from that experience, mm -hmm. what can you do to tell that story of, of why you are connected to this role? Yeah, I think a 
people tend to place a lot of emphasis on, you know, I'm a hard worker or I'm good at communicating or yeah. some of those, those general skills. I'm a fast learner. So if you don't have experience, it's sort of the go-to thing to say is I, I learn fast, which is awesome. Yeah. But so does everyone else who's interviewing. Everyone's going to say that they're a fast learner, right? So okay. I think what's, what's interesting <laughs> for me is, is understanding and thinking about how the person who's interviewing is thinking about translating their past experience, whatever that may be. It could be anything from an internship. It could be anything from something they learned in school, any sort of club. Like it doesn't have to necessarily be direct, you know, directly yeah. like an SDR role somewhere else. Right. But thinking about how they're going to translate that into their new role. And then also just their overall level of, of general business acumen versus mm -hmm. like a specific background. So we have a variety of people on the team here at Optimizely, for example, a bunch of folks are straight out of college. We have people with recruiting backgrounds, SDR backgrounds, consulting, finance, you know, and so we kind of pool all those people together. You get a really interesting mix of thoughts and a good kind of like just general team structure of the way that people are going to vibe and learn from each other. So I'm, all, I'm not like always looking for that exact relevant experience, but, yeah. but thinking about, well, why did you apply to Optimizely? What could you do here? you know, digging into that and, and thinking about how you could help benefit a team with whatever experience you have in the past. I yeah, I like that. I mean, the, you know, having a diverse set of experiences and just a diverse group of people, mm -hmm. you know, they can all bounce ideas off of each other and try to bring up the strength of the team versus just everyone exactly the same. Yeah. 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 So we look for that. You know, yeah. I think a lot of managers look for that is a good blend of skill sets that you have on the team and of experiences mm -hmm. and everyone can bring something to the table. So thinking through what that something is that you're going to bring to the table is and being able to articulate that well in an interview, it's it's tough, but it goes a long way. It's huge. And then the, I want to ask you one other thing about that is uh, mm -hmm. the broader broader market for the company. So say you know you're you're getting ready for your interview and you learn a little bit about the company. How do you then take that out to learn more about the broader market of the company? Yeah. So that they can prepare. Honestly, a lot of it is going to be looking at, at Googling stuff and it's okay. looking at Crunchbase. It's looking at LinkedIn. It's yeah. looking at competitive, the competitive landscape. Yeah. And I think what's interesting too is try to see if you can figure out what specific market that company is operating in. So again, looking at Optimizely as an example, I think it's easy to say, well, you're a tech company, SaaS, you know, yeah. that's, that's where you play. But we think about ourselves as we're in the experimentation market. Okay. So see if there's something that you can you can find that that is that you can tap into that's a level deeper from like oh I'm interested in tech and B two B. You know it's and 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 if you you can find those things by by just googling like optimizely competitors or looking at some of the things that our customers are are using us for looking at, at source other sources of, of intel in the organization crunch based things. Uh, okay. LinkedIn piecing yeah, those things together. This is this is awesome. This is <laughs> we're giving away all your secrets for people. If you're thinking about <laughs> I know doing an interview with Jackie, you're gonna have to change up all your things. I yeah. know we have but a mock call too. So there's a whole other part <laughs> on the on the mock call that that's important. Ah, okay. For, so, yeah. I want to I want to ask you about that too. So as you're looking through profiles, there you're getting you know LinkedIn profiles or I don't know. Do people still send resumes anymore, or is that? Yeah, well, so I'm I'm blessed to have a, an amazing recruiter. Quick shout out, Bryce Annabel, awesome girl. Um, right. <laughs> Got to put a little plug in there for her. She's great, but um, nice. who handles a ton of our initial research yeah. and then helps pair us with a lot of the right candidates for interviews. So people yeah. will either apply online directly, or then we, you know, are also reaching out to folks over, over LinkedIn and such. 
Got it. Okay. And are there two or three things that Bryce looks for or that you look for that says like, okay, I really, this is more interesting than the 10 other resumes that came in? Mm -hmm. I think that there, so there's a couple, some of it is, is looking at the way that they're telling their story, I think, in the cover letter mm. as well. So, I mean, that's important is if they're doing something totally different, if you're working in recruiting or something else, why is this something you want to transition into? So, so they just still do cover letters? Yeah. Yeah, oh, really? Send an email. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. And, and, and do you use way. a system like, like an applicant tracking system yeah. or is it just come in? Okay. Yeah. So they do a cover letter. And so you actually read the cover letter. I will. And you're yeah. looking for a good story about why they're either trying to go from college to your team mm-hmm. or coming from a different mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Wow. So okay. I, I, I go in there and I read the cover letters. I think Bryce is looking for, for experience in the sense of things that will, that will translate, translate over into some of these broader skill sets, themes that we've identified for the SDR team. Okay. Um, so that doesn't necessarily have to be something like in terms of their current role, yeah. but if there's something on their on their resume about what they've done or how they've executed against something or the init- an initiative that they've led, whether yeah. that be in college or team or, or something like that, yeah. we'll, we'll look for those things and pick up on those and say, oh, this is an interesting skill that we're looking for currently to build into our SDR team. So uh-huh. a lot of what we'll do is think about, well, what's the current mix of the team right now? Where do we see rooms for improvement? And then We'll look for some of those skills in people's backgrounds, resumes, cover letters, things like that. And obviously also in the interview process yeah. that will help lend you know, itself to, to the way that we're trying to develop. That's right. So it's, it's hard to get your foot in the door at a company because you might be like the superstar, awesome person, but maybe the company is not necessarily looking for that exact mix of skills at the mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. So it's like, it has nothing necessarily to do with you, but it's just like, you're not exactly what they're looking for at the moment. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's something that I would encourage everyone to keep in mind as well is because I think that there can be a lot of, you know, it doesn't feel great to get rejected yeah. from things, but it's not necessarily something that, you, that you're doing wrong per se. Like yeah. you said, it can be just a general team structure or something specific that that, that company is looking for now. And it doesn't mean that you wouldn't be a good fit later down the line or for other similar companies. Yeah. So. And does anybody ever come back to you like after you you did an interview and rejected them and be like, why why'd you reject me? They do. And, yeah. and what do you say? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, again, big shout out to Bryce. She's awesome okay. with that. Yeah. No, but there there have been <laughs> a couple Bryce. times. I know. It's she's yeah. She's getting a lot of kudos on, on this. She deserves it. She, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, she's fantastic. Because that's really hard. I mean, you're sitting really there, you're like, gosh, you know, Optimize was cool. Jackie was cool. I'm awesome. Like, why did they reject me? Yeah, we give a, we try to give a lot of feedback in in our in the interview process. So we'll either yeah. give it directly to them. So we have a whole mock call scenario as part of the process, and we'll during that time we want to see if we you know pepper you with a bunch of feedback, how yeah. you take it, what you know the way you internalize it, and so we give you a lot of direct feedback in the interview process. And then for earlier in the process, Chris and I will give our feedback to, to Bryce either to deliver or there have been times where if there's someone who I think has a ton of potential, but just wasn't like the, the right fit that we needed now, especially because we have a pretty lean SDR team here, yeah. I'll hop on the phone with them or Chris will hop on the phone with them and give them some, some feedback, some guidance that they can use for uh, their other interviews that they might be doing. Okay. So. That's really hard. That's that's one of the hardest things I would yeah. I would think beyond like firing someone and that's that's 
really that's like that call times a hundred, but that's a totally different <laughs> topic. Yeah. But so let me ask you this. So let's just switching gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. Say there's an SDR on your team and they're really, really focused on becoming an AE. Mm-hmm. And and the, assuming at the company there is an appropriate like AE role, are there two or three things that you could give them to work on to so that they have a shot at that? Yeah. I think a lot of it is going to be individualized. So part of it is really taking stock of your skills very honestly, which is how are you performing in your current role? What will you need to learn to set yourself up for success as an AE? And then from there, it's what skills do you already have? What skills do you need improvement on? And what skills do you not have that you totally need to learn? And a lot of that, you don't need to do it alone. You can get the answers to this from working with both your management AEs, other SDRs, and if you have access, AE management. I think learning from AE management about what they're looking for on their yeah. team is absolutely invaluable. And then part of that is is making yourself known. So again, if possible, really encourage you to grab coffee with the manager of the team that you're trying to join. Yeah. Have one-on-ones with the different AEs across the team. See if you can join a few of their team meetings maybe or involve yourself in, in a project that will benefit that team, like thinking something like thinking of a, of a new campaign that the AE team can, can leverage as well. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's helping you stay top of mind for that, that role. And then the, the other part of it is, is pretty straightforward, which is just shadowing and practicing. Learn how these AEs are running their deal cycles with different types of companies and in different scenarios. And if possible, finding an AE mentor who will let you shadow them or if possible, participate in running a deal cycle from start to finish uh, so you can see the whole process, I think is really helpful as well. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. And, and so if they were you know, in the role of an SDR for a shorter time period, mm-hmm. do you ever see SDRs wanting to jump way ahead yes. like before they kind of have gone through and followed mm-hmm. this advice. And what do you say to them in that case? <laughs> it's typically a meeting where we sit down and we say, well, how are you going to, you know, what, what are you, what are you missing? Have you evaluated your skill? Right. And, you know, and the answer is always like, well, no, you know? And so then we think through part of it is I think in helping on my end, at least as a manager is helping people who are really, really eager put together a plan of how they're going to get to where they want to be. Because I think for a lot of folks that helps, you know, you can have these clear benchmarks that you can hit. And I think that that helps you sort of understand, like, you know, measure progress, improve on, on where you want to be, but it helps kind of curtail this just leap over before, before you're ready. And so that's something that I'll tend to do is sit down and say, okay, well, I want you to talk to this person and I want you to meet with this person and helping connect those resources. So they feel like they're really learning from those folks. Yeah. And then I'll challenge them in their, in their current role as well. So it's like, I want you to do X, Y, and Z in your current role. That's going to help you get these skills in order to, you know, move towards a, an AE role at a, at a faster clip. Okay. So it's almost, you don't have, you don't have like a checklist or something that says like you checked all these boxes. Now you can be an AE. Yeah. It's, it's more subtle than that. Right. Right. Because there's all these different factors that are involved. Exactly. And it's very okay. individualized. It based, yeah. It's based a lot on the individual person and their skills that they currently have and, and where yeah. their gaps are. So I okay. like to approach it that way with them and then work from, work from there to build. Okay. And is plan. that the same? So the next one I was wondering about was mm-hmm. other positions within the company. Like yeah. say there's no AE positions or 
you know, you're an SDR, but in order to be an AE at the company, you have to have like 20 years of experience <laughs> in the industry, which happens a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know, what What about other positions? Yeah, other positions are similar, but a okay. little a little different in, in the sense that I think like the first piece of advice I would give is one I'll give to, to sort of any SDR that wants to move into a different role, which is that you have to do well at your current job. First. Yeah. And I think sometimes people can get caught up in this idea that they'll inherently do better in a different position because that's where their skills are more aligned. That's what they enjoy doing. Totally. But, you know, from, from a management perspective, the hiring managers on those teams will be wanting to add talent that, that have shown that they've done well in, in previous roles, regardless of what that role necessarily may be. And there's no easy yeah. way to get around that. So that's step one is, is if you're an SDR and you want to move into a different role, you have to do well as an SDR. Period. Oh, darn it. Okay. I know. I Unfortunately, I know. But, you know, and I think, and yeah. that's true if you want to be an AE as well, you know, it's like, course, that's true yeah. for any, for any role. But I, I really think that depending on your, depending on your company culture, right? So I'll caveat it with that. Yeah. Um, I would certainly leverage your manager if it's appropriate. I have a lot of those conversations with my team about different roles that they're interested in. Even if it's something as simple as, Hey, I want to learn about this role. How do I do that? You know? And if, Managers don't always know the exact path to promotion for every single functional role, but they can help get you connected with the right people. They can help be an advocate for your career internally, and they can also have, help you put together a plan of action for for skill development for that role. Yeah. So if they're a good manager like you, oh gosh, well, I, <laughs> I, 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 if they're that's a crappy a, manager, then you're gonna have to. Yeah. So force I ca- them. that's why I caveated depending yeah. <laughs> on company culture, right? But that was a nice way to. Put yeah, it. yeah, but but if it's but if it's yeah. not if that's not possible, which you know. It, it isn't always possible, sure. then I would turn towards focusing that on finding a mentor in that department, you yeah. know, where you can shadow learn. And I think understand that sometimes you're going to have to do some double duty, some extra hours after work, your current mm-hmm. role is still going to come first. And so making sure that you're prepared for that. And also that sometimes if you're asking to be involved in projects, particularly projects that will that will help out your mentor, help take some stuff off of their plate and really help you be seen as an asset. Some of it's going to be going to be grunt work at first, but I think that it's still a great way to get your foot in the door with, yeah, with other teams. I'd so don't lo- shy away from that. Are you in sales, but you're not using a sales engagement tool? Then you're probably losing out on revenue because you are not engaging with prospects at the right time, with the right cadence, and with enough persistency. You need VanillaSoft. Start your free trial today. Go to VanillaSoft.com. Yeah. I love that. I mean, if you, if before you have all these kids and everything and the, all this stuff, <laughs> taking all your time, no, no yeah. offense guys, if yeah. you're listening, but, but you know, it's like, what the hell, you know, go flat out, like do your job completely mm-hmm. kick ass and then get some grunt work from your mentor, you know, for a couple hours, you know, on the backside and yeah. really make an impact and then show what you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah exactly. I love that. that that's great. Mm-hmm. And so have people, I got one more thing about that. Have people been able to do that at in your current company mm-hmm. where they ne- not necessarily get into AE, but they've been able to get into different departments? I think you mentioned yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Actually, just recently, this just this like last six months or so, we yeah. had two different folks from the team move into different uh, cross-functional roles. And I want to put a little a little side note in here that it the primary motivation for them doing that other role was not because there wasn't an AE role available, but they wanted to be an AE. Yeah. So I think like, you know, I think for, for everyone listening to, to think through that yourself as you're thinking about whether or not you want to do a different role, 
And, but they had a lot of passion for these new roles that, that were being created. And there was a CSM opening, so customer success. And, and one of the gals on the team was, had been, you know, made it very clear to me a while before that, that she was very interested in, in the customer success route. And so we started to, to think of, of projects that she could work on with the CSM team, what she needed to get done. I had sit downs with their manager to align with her. And so it just, it helps make her, that girl the clear choice for, mm. for that role. Yeah. So we did a lot of, we did a lot of that. And then she was able to move into that role, which is awesome. And then the other person who was able to move into a different role was a totally brand new role. We had just created uh, more of an inside sales role, similar to, to an account executive role. And he was given the opportunity to kind of pioneer that team. And that was exciting for him. And so he was really passionate about sort of building out what might be a new team here and being the first one to do that. So so it was neat, you know, like yeah. I think that they had some clear ideas of what they wanted to do and where they wanted to go. And then we sort of all worked together, obviously yeah. them leading the way and all the hard work and effort that they put into that um, yeah. to get there. But yeah, yeah, but you make a lot of good points. One is to have a supportive company and culture that, that you know, supports that. Mm-hmm. And then also having the candidate that the hiring manager wants, mm-hmm. you know, because they might be, have a completely different type of individual in their head that's not on your SDR team. So mm-hmm. you got to align that, which is tough. Exactly. Yep. And then the can- the candidate has to work really, really hard. They have to kick butt in their current role and do a great job getting the other job, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So and I, and I speak on this from a, from, a, from a startup perspective, right? Yeah. I think that there are a lot of organizations that also have much clearer defined, uh, sure. you know, angles and training paths and programs for, for career pathing. But for, for anyone who is working at a smaller organization that is trying to think about, okay, well, how do I, how do I shift what I'm, you know, what I'm doing? There is a lot of of hard work that goes into that. And then for the folks that are, that have maybe some more well-defined career paths, I think that you can leverage some of those tips to help set yourself apart or help accelerate your path there. So. Yeah, that, that's that's an amazing opportunity. Let me let me. I just want to shift. I got a couple more things I want to ask you. One is one of the things that challenges SDR. So finally, they got the role. They're on your team. They're doing a great job. But now it's six to twelve months into it, and it's a really hard job. Mm-hmm. And they start to kind of drift a little bit. Like mm-hmm. they're it's just so repetitive. It's so robotic. Like how can they stay motivated in the face of this? this tough job that they've signed up for? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the first part is to really think about, like really think about why you're not motivated. Mm-hmm. So some of the repetitiveness and things like that, we, we hear that a lot, but I think that you can take that, there's you know another layer to that and really internalize, okay, why am I not motivated right now? Yeah. Sometimes it's, you know, are you struggling to perform and you're getting frustrated because you're having like a bad few months or something? Maybe on the flip side, you're performing really well consistently and you're craving a new challenge. Do you feel like you're not learning as much as you would like? Are you getting tired of sales development because you want to explore opportunities for other roles? And it could be a combination of those things, but I think really digging into that and then you know, understanding what those driving factors are behind your lack of motion or motivation are, are absolutely key in determining how to address the issue yeah. moving forward. Uh, those, are, um, those are great points. And then, I mean, I think also with all of that said, I really encourage everyone to mute, to view motivation as something that's sort of in their own power to control. 
you know, if I like step out of my, my manager hat for a second here, I think just in my own sort of personal career, um, yeah. I try hard to rely on myself for motivation. It's definitely not always possible, but, <laughs> but really take some time to, to diagnose yourself, think about why you're not motivated and then see, okay, do I lean on my peers, my manager, lean on yourself also to put together sort of an appropriate plan of action to address those challenges that you're facing rather than sort of sitting and letting it, it spiral. Yeah. Um, I think understanding the root cause is really important there to yeah, like communicating get it. better. This is yeah. so funny because like I, I've got a couple of friends who run like outsource SDR teams like uh-huh. in the Midwest and the people are just so happy to have a job there and yeah. like have health insurance that oh. I, I don't know if they're motivated or not, but they just do it, you know, but yeah. we're, we're very, you know, we've got very first world problems here and which is great, but let me ask you this. Is there anything that a manager can do to encourage motivation or is it just intrinsic to the person? They're either going to be motivated and gritty and stick with it or not. What do you think? Oh, well, I think some of it is a little intrinsic. Yeah. I think. With that said, I think that there's certainly a lot that, that managers can do to help. Part of what, what I want to work what I work with my team on is, is understanding like if they're not a, if they're not feeling motivated and then B why. So mm-hmm. while I'm encouraging everyone to think about self-diagnosing some of those things and then bringing them up as appropriate, I think that's also totally on the, on the manager. That's part of the job is to mm-hmm. ensure that your people are happy. And if they're not know why, and then figure out with them a plan to help address that if possible and, and if appropriate. So okay. I typically will do that in, in like one, in one-on-one meetings, getting feedback from them, understanding how they're feeling, how they're doing. That's when they'll flag frustrations to me or feelings of, you know, oh, I want to get promoted sooner or those yeah. things. And then we, we work together based on each individual person and what they're struggling with uh, to help them move forward from that. You can hopefully get the motivation back. Yeah. But what if I put you on the spot a little bit, what do you do if you got somebody who you really thought, and I'm not saying that this is happening at all, but (laughs) you really thought that they were like gung ho and motivated and they were going to crush it. And then they get six to 12 months into it and you've got a whiner on your hands. Mm. What do you do with a whiner? In my personal opinion, I tell them that they're whining. Okay. Yeah. You know, I think. (laughs) But is that that appropriate in the HR context can you can you actually say somebody you're a whiner no i never call them a whiner but in the moment when they're when maybe i'm feeling like they're they're whining about something then i'll challenge them on why they feel that way or what they could do to make it to to impact that i don't want people to be to be victims of of things that you know especially things that are outside of their you know things that are outside of their control that that's one thing things that are inside of their control like you know that's something that we got to, you know, we work on together. So I take that opportunity then to provide them, to provide them that feedback and, and challenge them on, on what they could do differently to help make the situation better. Okay. Good. Um, they're, they're lucky to have you, you know, a lot of people no. would just slap them. So. <laughs> uh, so, well, you know, <laughs> no, but that we definitely can't do. Yeah, anyways, no. No, no. no, that's good though. You, you definitely create an environment. Let me ask you this. One other thing. Uh, what what do you th- see out there, not necessarily with your team, maybe with your team, with other teams, that you think SDRs right now listening to this can improve on? Yeah. Number one is don't diminish your role or your value because Agreed. you're in sales development. I think that that's, yeah. you know, we've talked about that before as common Big sort time. of issue or, or, or theme. And by that, I mean, think of yourself as a trusted advisor 
for a bunch of cross-functional groups. Like SDRs sit between, you know, there's marketing where you can give advice to marketing on which events and campaigns are working, right? You're sort of, you can be a feedback loop there. For your account executives, we, you have access to a lot of campaigns, content, data, things that they don't necessarily have access to. Research that you're doing on these companies for them. You can be a trusted advisor for your account executives, for your teammates. You can be a trusted advisor on the things that are working, that aren't working, collaboration. And even for, for management, a feedback loop with your managers about what's working and what's not. I mean, SDRs sit at the, at the, the center of, of all of those different groups of people. And I think the most successful SDRs that I've seen in my career are trusted by their AEs, their teammates, management, and, and their customers also, the, the customers that they're interacting with as mm. sources of, of knowledge and guidance. And they do that through this idea of I'm going to master my craft and I'm going to be seen as a trusted advisor to people, rather than, oh, I'm just an SDR. I'm just here to like set up meetings. Yes. You know? That is such great advice. I love that. That's it. And it's yeah. and it can be challenge. easy to get to get yeah. trapped into, well, I need to hit my quota. So therefore let me just, you know, flop these meetings over to my to my AE and, yeah. and we'll see. But 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 that's but I really encourage people to to think about like the value that you provide to the organization because it's it's very it's a lot of value. Yeah. So I agree hundred percent. Yeah. Let me ask you this. The phone is the phone dead? Do people still use the phone or is it just a dead mechanism? <laughs> this is everyone's favorite topic. Oh my gosh. Okay. No, no, no. I so want your opinion. I think on the because, phone yeah. is can be used extremely well okay. and 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 strategically. Okay. It's it's we I like to think about our strategy just broadly and and I think for a lot of sales development organizations as well as it's all it's all multi-channel nowadays. Yeah. It's you know, we we focus on trying to get people wherever we can get people and people are on a variety of different channels. Go to where people are are on. So that includes not just email and phone, but it's, you know, it's LinkedIn, it's doing video outreach, it's Twitter, it's it's a variety of, you know, blogs and, and things. So it's a variety of different ways to get in touch with folks. And phone is a key, key component of that. Okay. It really is. Is it a smile and dial culture nowadays where it doesn't matter if you, you know, you know ignore LinkedIn, ignore video, ignore yeah. email and just call them? No, it's, that's, not, that's not the case. You need to be present on a variety of different channels, but, but phone is a, is a key pillar of those different okay. channels. I, I, I agree 100%. And, and so this is the last quick t- tactical one. Yeah. Do they send an email and then look for it to be opened and then call the person or do you call the person first and then send them an email? Or does it just depend? It depends. We have different okay. uh, structures of, of outreach depending on whether how we're trying to engage with someone, if they engaged with us, with, with marketing or, or things like that. Yeah. I mean, I think generally if someone opened an email, we have alerts set up so that you can call them right away. Yeah. So I think that's really helpful. I think calling it, testing out calling at different times of the day is really helpful. Figuring out which time of day you're going to reach certain, you know, roles, whether it be like executives versus versus practitioners, is helpful. I would suggest for people who have interacted with with marketing content, so any inbound leads, to call them first and then yeah. send them an email. Other times, for more of a colder outbound approach, it can oftentimes be a little bit easier to send an email and then call because you have something you can reference. Yep. So, but it, it depends on the situation. Yeah. 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 And, and thanks. I mean, people like when I think about what could SDRs improve on, that's usually like the first question. It's like, does anybody, cause I get like a bunch of calls all day and they don't leave a voicemail and I'm like, mm-hmm. is this even a dead mechanism? But if, if it was like, 
you know, I had started to interact in some respect. And then the phone is like quicker because mm-hmm. then we could just talk real quick, get something set up and go. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, this is good. So, you know, we've right up against the hour. I wanted to ask you about leveraging data for your SDR process mm-hmm. optimization. Do you, do you want to dive into that topic? Um, or is that something that we can talk about on the next show? Yeah, I, I think it's it's a it's a deep, large, broad mm. topic. So it's probably probably suited for a whole for a different time. But I, I, yeah. I think I think what's interesting, or at least what we're discovering here, is that there's a lot of there's so much opportunity to help enable our SDR team to be to be better by leveraging any sort of like key data points that we can to help okay. inform like why things are working and why things aren't working. So that's sort of what we're trying to do right now. Yeah, for even if it's just for our like inbound lead funnel, how can we help, you know, make folks more productive, getting people through that? If it's our qualification criteria, how can we help our SDRs be sourcing more uh, opportunities for the business and pipeline dollars for the business? So yes. we, the plus side about any, any sort of sales development function is that inherently we're very data driven. Um, yeah. We track activity, we're tracking meetings, we're tracking, you know, so we, we have all of the inputs or a lot of the inputs already. It's about tweaking those, making sure that we're gathering everything we need, and then understanding, drawing insights from that, and then applying it to help the team get better. Yeah. So that's the way I think about, I think about data. There's a lot of different projects that I think are cool that, that help the team do, do things more, more efficiently and also just with better quality overall that you yeah. can leverage data for. But I think, I think it's a huge... <laughs> the rabbit hole, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a huge topic and I want to dive into it with you. I just think that right now, there, and we talked about that at the meeting, um, mm-hmm. there's a huge gap you know, in the sales development like marketplace of talent, mm-hmm. of people that can take their expertise in data analytics mm-hmm. and sales operations and really apply that to optimizing sales development. Mm-hmm. I think that that skill set right now is like a unicorn. I mean, there's yeah. not a lot of people out there who are going around saying, this is my specialty and mm-hmm. I can take your sales development department from a lot of data like swirling around and yeah. not being used to something that can truly optimize your performance. Mm-hmm. So is that kind of where you, I don't want to you know, put you on the spot, but is that kind of where you see your passion as far as sales development? Uh, yeah, I, I would say yes. I think that that there's so much opportunity there to help to help folks improve. We actually have uh, someone here at Optimizely who is a dedicated marketing and sales development here at Optimizely. Sales development reports into into marketing, okay. marketing and sales development, you know, operations uh, manager who is our go to on on everything. I, mm. Without him, like I, we would not be able to understand how our funnels are performing, how to make our team better, like. So, um, wow. aside from a data perspective, aside from like the, the, you know, the one-off, the, the call shadowing and things like that, but, yeah. but from just a, a systems and process optimization perspective, it's hugely valuable. And I've seen how much we've been able to move the needle since having that kind of focus on, on, on data. So I would say that that is something that I'm, that I'm passionate yeah. about for sure. It's hilarious. Cause I, I, I was brought in to run a team of 40 SDRs yeah. and they wanted to hire like 10 more people. And the first thing that I asked for is some kind of analyst to be attached to our team mm-hmm. from an operations perspective so that we can get a handle on all this data because it's definitely not my strength. And, mm-hmm. and especially if you're leading a big team, like 
you don't have time to sit there and run all these reports and stuff. And they were like, no, let's just hire some more SDRs. And I was like, how do you pilot this huge complicated ship without a navigator? Yeah. It just doesn't even make sense, but it sounds like you guys are on that. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's, especially with a, with a bigger team, I think that in order to scale really effective processes across everyone, you need a, to understand what you're, what you're looking for and what's going to work. And which is the data piece. And then B is the enforcement piece. Mm. So that's really, really crucial. If you have systems in place, but no one is using them the way that they're intended to be used, it's not going to work. So I think that's where, or even if for sales development teams that don't have like a dedicated analyst, if we can at least get people like from a management perspective, marching in, in the same direction in terms of ensuring that everyone is gathering, at least like getting the inputs in there for, for the, you know, the data inputs in there in the in the right way, like in Salesforce or however however you track it. Yeah, that's at least step one. Because yeah. you can have an analyst, but if you don't have the if you don't have that data in there, it's there's bad. you can't you can't draw any insights from it anyway. So at yeah. least from a manager perspective, there is something you know that we can that we can do at least in the in the short term. Until yeah, yeah. I mean definitely like it seems like SDRs, you know, have come up in a digital world, mm-hmm. and so they're a little bit better about the inputting and keeping track of things and stuff like that. Whereas like the older crowd, the, you know, this is like how, how you <laughs> yeah, track on notes. it's yeah, always no hard paper. to get stuff in the Salesforce. So yeah. it seems like that enforcement one, you know, is super important and it's getting better. Mm-hmm. And so now like taking sales development to the next level is having good, clean data on mm-hmm. the activities and then being able to move the needle using that, that, those reports. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's really exciting. We'll dive into that next time. Yeah, um, absolutely. Thank you so much for, this is all great strategic and tactical advice for anybody listening and we really appreciate it. I hope it was helpful. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Thank you so great. much for being thank on Thank you. The show. Thank you. This is awesome. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.